welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. and welcome to the latest episode of IOM3 Investigates as we present the first Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining series. I'm Fiona Robinson, currently Faculty Support Manager for Computing, Engineering and Science at the University of South Wales and Vice Chair of the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining, also known as WIM3 Committee. I'm delighted to present this IOM3 WIM3 podcast series focused on speaking with women in various backgrounds and industries, from engineering and materials to minerals and mining, to chat a bit about their careers and how they got to where they are now, be it by education, industry or other routes. I'm joined now by Marina Kovaleva, who is a second year PhD student at Cardiff University. Her PhD topic is in the study of combustor designs and materials for green ammonia and hydrogen fuels. Before starting her PhD, Marina completed her bachelor's in mechanical engineering, conducting her year in industry in quality and process improvement of nickel superalloys at Special Metals Wigan. Marina has also participated in research placements in Japan and America as part of the MEXT and Fulbright Scholarship programs. She is an active participant of IOM3 activities and is currently the uh, Student and Early Career Committee member for the Newport and Cardiff Materials Society. Marina, thank you very much for joining me this morning for this uh, Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining uh, podcast interview. If we could just start with you telling me a little bit about your educational background and how you were first introduced to the possibility of studying materials or a related subject. Thank you very much for having me, Fiona. So uh, I was first introduced to a materials field through uh, studying engineering. And so I was, as I was finishing school, I was trying to decide on what I would do for my degree. And my grandma and my aunt uh, both did engineering uh, for their careers. And there was a feeling with the women in my family that actually I should definitely not do engineering or a sort of a male dominated field because of their experience of working in it in Russia 30, 40 years ago. Um, but I, I was a sort of rebellious age and actually the other sort of mathsy female friendly pro professions that they presented didn't seem particularly appealing to me. And so I ended up looking for work experience in engineering. And uh, the work experience that I enjoyed the most was with Special Metals, which was a nickel superalloy manufacturing company. So I went to do a degree in mechanical engineering and through that and through a year in industry, I ended up uh, studying a materials related PhD. Did you do your year in um, 
an industry with special metals as well? Yes, yeah, so I, I did it with uh, the quality department there. And so I think through trial and error and looking at different sort of jobs as I was studying, I found that I preferred the research sector and I did enjoy working with materials and that's how I ended up doing a PhD. So could you describe your current PhD uh, research that you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so my PhD topic is, it's actually quite broad. So uh, it's uh, on the humidified ammonia hydrogen fuels. And uh, so ammonia and hydrogen are considered as can be green renewable alternative fuels. Uh, but industry is still learning to adapt to using these fuels. And so I'm hoping with my PhD that I can answer some of the questions about how we design combustors to work with these fuels. And so what materials should we be using and how do we 3D print them and how do we design them so that there's lower emissions? And so it's a, it's a PhD topic that spans both combustion and material science. And did you find that your work experience helped you in terms of material selection for your PhD project at all? Uh, yes, absolutely. So it was more the case that I ended up in the PhD topic, but worked with my year in industry company as we found opportunities during my PhD to start going into the material sector. So actually the PhD started in combustion and then we collaborated and we got in touch with special metals to start working with them on designing materials as well. That's excellent. Thank you. So how has COVID-19 affected your PhD project and your approach to how you've undertaken the research? So I was actually quite lucky because I was abroad when COVID hit and I, where I was in the lab I was working in, didn't actually have a lockdown or any kind of restrictions put into place. We just had a suggestive Oh, you know, try and minimize your contact with people. So I was very lucky, but I assume that lab supervisors and students who don't have such an adaptive research project where you can do some of the work at home and some of the work in the lab were much harder hit by it. So you were able to continue with practical work during the pandemic restrictions? Well, yes, mainly because I wasn't in the UK so I didn't actually undergo the I never was in the UK for the lockdown <laughs> so it's well timed and so as a result is, is your project been able to carry on following the original timeline yes I'd say mostly so in our lab we have a lot of experiments that were postponed for a few weeks here and there but mainly we've been very lucky that we've been managing to do the experiments with quite a few people, only a few people, and it hasn't been that restricted. So what do you consider to be your most significant achievement in your studies and work experience so far and why? So as I was finishing my uh, university, my bachelor's degree, I got a scholarship to study in a Japanese university for a year. Um, and so I'd been to Japan a few times before, mostly in the capacity of learning Japanese and doing touristy activities. So I had a, a very skewed view of how my year would go. Um, but when I actually arrived in Japan, uh, I remember 
sort of being introduced to the lab and getting my own table. And at that point, having no research experience at all, or not even knowing how to use a screwdriver. And I was asking, well, who's going to set up the experiment for me? Who's going to wire the electronics? Who's going to make all the piping? And they were so, sort of saying, you're, you're going to set up the experiment. You're going to do everything. And so I think the reason that I, had, that I felt that this year was my most significant and the scholarship was my most significant achievement was because I grew so much in that year. It wasn't just about the funding and getting the scholarship and the award. It was about the year I spent there so far out of my comfort zone, doing for the first time my own research work and not really having technicians or other students who could speak English to rely on and just having to actually do something practical on my own myself for the first time in research. That's a fantastic opportunity. And it's it's interesting that some of the biggest challenges were about the practical aspects of your experiment, possibly even more so than the language and the culture. Absolutely. And I think uh, if you come from a sort of a background like me, where you went to a normal school and did sort of A-levels and very sort of maths, had a very mathsy and non-practical sort of background, it's quite difficult to then find those practical skills that are so essential when you're in research or in industry. And I, I felt that that was a huge gap for me. And it, I, I really had a tricky, tricky year struggling with that. And it, it was great. It was a good learning experience. But at the end of it, you must have felt a tremendous sense of achievement at mm. getting, you know, getting through the year, but all the personal growth and learning that you got out of that experience. Absolutely. And I think like during the PhD, everyone, everyone makes mistakes and has delays in their PhD. And for me, it was really having like having an extra year just before my PhD started to have those or to make all those mistakes and to get all those hurdles and to have that really tricky period. So that now when I went into was going into my PhD and was doing my PhD, it, it didn't seem so bad anymore. No, I so think it, I definitely felt that I'd do that. Yeah, I think that probably equipped you with some good skills to take into your PhD because you know normally you have to do a lot of things for yourself that you haven't done before and do problem solving and things like that. So it gave you advanced experience when you started your PhD project. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Last year in 2021, you participated in the IOM3 Young Persons Lecture Competition. What do you think were the benefits of this to your personal development, your PhD project or growing your network? When I participated in the competition, the material side of my project had only been really a few weeks old. And at that point, I wasn't too familiar with what I was doing with that project or how it was going to develop or what equipment and literature was available. And so by participating in that competition, I actually, I met a lot of people who were associated with Cardiff University with where I was studying because it was a local heat and I met people from the steel industry and I had their insight on how um, I should be looking at uh, my project and actually ended up collaborating with one of the professors, uh, Professor Sam Evans, who was a judge on that competition um, in my project and ended up doing some extra tensile tests that gave additional insight uh, on the behavior of how metals behave in ammonia hydrogen environments that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So it was a fantastic experience. 
And I think it was quite lucky that um, you made those connections early in your project so that you could really use them for the majority of the project, your PhD. Yes, that's that's true. That It was in my first year. And so we're continuing the project now. And I think the competition really set the plan for how the material side of my PhD is going to go. Yeah, and although it's a bit nerve-wracking doing the lecture competition, did you find that it was a useful learning experience in terms of giving presentations or lectures in the future? Yes, absolutely. And actually, I'm going. To, I'm planning to participate this year again just to get that experience and that practice. So, so I'm planning to present this the work that I've been doing for the last year in a conference, and I'm, I want to present the work first in the lecture competition so that I can get that additional practice. Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea because you can get some constructive feedback before you go to the conference. So, so far, what do you think, what's been your biggest obstacle or challenge that you faced in your education and research and how did you overcome it? I think to me, the, the biggest obstacle that really stands out was when I was just finishing school and starting university, I had quite a few problems with my mental health and it was a point in my life where I didn't really want to go to my exams or felt motivated about my future at all and so in comparison to that sort of period of time I don't think I've had any serious obstacles since sort of comparing to those two years where I didn't really I wasn't really myself and in terms of overcoming it I think a a big role was so surrounding myself with the right kinds of people played a huge role in correcting my bad thinking patterns. And now I'm a lot better at spotting uh, any sort of, if I have stress from my PhD or if I've got any bad mental health sort of habits that I'm getting into, I'm much better at spotting that and solving them early. I think that's, that's excellent that uh, you know, you've, you've overcome that and from, and from it, you've learned now how to see the signs of, problems before they become a major issue and Mm. you know you've got techniques for for tackling the problem before it overcomes you entirely I think that's you know it's excellent what are your future career plans and professional ambitions once you finish your PhD I would really like to be in charge of a project for myself or to run my own sort of research plan where I get to make the decisions and I get to structure something for myself because as fantastic and as flexible a PhD is in terms of the placements and sort of being able to modify the plan ultimately you still have to you own some of it but ultimately you still have to fit into a bigger research proposal that is someone else's and so I'd really love to sort of one day be able to make up my own research plan and um actually take charge of something so you're you're obviously very early in your career still doing your PhD Uh, do you have any thoughts about whether you'd like to work in academia or industry when you finish your PhD I think I don't see myself in industry in the traditional sense or going into a traditional engineering role so it is skewed towards academia or something something alternative to that so perhaps like the public sector but I'm not quite sure yet and I don't mind that I don't have a specific plan because it's still probably a few years away until I have to think about it too much. 
Yeah, and, and I think these days, even if you set out on one path, it's unlikely to be the same path for the whole of your career anyway. Mm, absolutely. Is there anything you wish you'd known or done differently that you'd recommend to others considering embarking on an engineering or materials type degree? So going back to what you said earlier, Fiona, I think, you know, about no one has a concrete, you know, concrete career plan from the start. I, I really do agree with that. And I wish I could have said that to myself much earlier on, because I did spend a lot of time stressing over choosing that one perfect degree and uh, sort of I had this image that you have to stick with your the degree you choose and the career path you choose at seen um, and just have this plan and in reality you know no one has a plan and you just have to look for opportunities within the decisions you've made um, and sort of go from there really and I wish I'd spent less time stressing about that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about precisely which degree course to apply for, when, mm. in fact, if you go into an engineering discipline, a lot of the courses have common modules for at least the first year. So mm. to an extent, as long as you know whether you want to do like a STEM subject or not, it's not that critical. I think uh, it's it is actually more flexible probably than university applicants realize. Engineering has to be I think one of the most flexible subjects and on top of that I think that you'll meet people on your degree or you'll find things in your degree that will take you to in different directions so you might find a lecturer who's really interested in business and you might end up in finance or you might have a friend who wants to do a startup with you in a completely unrelated field and it it doesn't matter I think as much as 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 people people feel it does or it feels like a, mm. such a big decision at 16 or 17 but yeah it doesn't matter that much thank you very much thank you for having me Fiona if you would like to find out more about the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining Group, please visit the IOM3 website at www.iom3.org or follow us on LinkedIn by searching IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining. Please also don't forget to subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify. information about us visit iom3.org or to keep up to date with our latest news follow us on social media using at iom3 on twitter and at the institute of materials minerals and mining on linkedin if you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved please subscribe to hear more from us through apple google podcasts or spotify